Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Everybody, please put hey. a thumb in the air. Hey. Everybody, how you doing? Well, that's good. Welcome to Broad Street Hockey. That's welcome to Broad Street Hockey Radio. That's right, BSH Radio. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. It's only been 300 episodes, guys. I should probably have this. Uh, guess what? The Flyers scored three goals in a game. It's truly impressive what they were able to pull off in the the preseason finale last night. We're going to talk about that and a whole lot more. So let's get right into it, as Kelly's already shaking her head at me. Uh, let's lead it off with the fly by herself, Kelly Hankel. The radio is implied. You could just, I mean, it doesn't matter. People know. It's Broad Street Hockey Radio. Close enough. Anyway, it's Charlie and I were thinking, Charlie and I were speculating that Bill may have been raptured because he walked away from his computer, but it turns out he hadn't been. So that's good. It is. I'm, I mean, if he was ra- if he was raptured, he wouldn't have to watch the Flyers anymore. So there's that. Oh, fair enough. You know what? Uh, in, Only in the leftovers way, must watch the the Flyers. In a sick way, I'm kind of looking forward to this season, and I'm Me sure I'll too. be over. Fuck it. I'll, I'll be fun. over that by Thanksgiving. I'm sure. Uh, probably Canadian Thanksgiving. <laughs> yes. But uh, I don't know. There's going to be some sort of redeeming quality to this season, and the fact that I have no idea what it is, kind of exciting. Making a lot we're of assumptions gonna, here. Gonna, there's going to be a, a there's going to be some guy. I don't know which guy it's going to be. There's going to be some guy that does something, and we're like, that's the guy, and then we're just going to like uh, root for him forever. Maybe it'll be Zach McEwen again. I don't know, but somebody's going to make it fun for us. I know it. It's going to happen. And from TheAthletic.com, Charlie O'Connor. Okay, so I want to talk about this because this is something that I tweeted about during last night's game as kind of just like a random aside. And then we had a, they essentially call these, I believe they're called all 32s at The Athletic where basically every single writer has to uh, answer a question and then we turn into like this big combined article that analyzes something to do with the league or the team that you cover or whatever. And all the questions for today's version of it had had to do with the team you cover and their power play. And they were asking, I think one of the questions was, um, who is going to be on power play one? And I had to answer, I don't know. They really haven't practiced it yet. Who is going to be on power play two? 
I don't know. They really haven't practiced it yet. And then how do you think the flyer, how do you think your team's power play is going to be? And my answer was, well, it was the worst of the league last year, and they really didn't add anyone other than Tony D'Angelo. So probably pretty bad. But the the tweet that I made, and the more I think about it, the more it makes sense to me as a comparison is Kelly will probably not follow this too closely because she is not a big Phillies fan. But if you think back to the uh, pandemic-shortened 2020 season, the Phillies' bullpen was horrific. It was real bad. Real, real bad. And in that offseason, they basically added a couple guys, and we all went into the year, into 2021, thinking, well, it can't be as bad as it was last year. Like, at the very least, it'll just be a little bit better because last year was historically bad. And what did they do? They blew the most saves in franchise history. So, this power play, to me, like, we're all just going in assuming it can't be as bad as last year because it was so painfully bad. It might be as bad as it was last year because watching that power play yesterday, watching Cam York get completely demolished by Casey Sezikis and just watching the power play just lack anything remotely resembling an actual threat. Now, granted, guys like Cam Atkinson and Travis Konecki were missing. I acknowledge that. But neither of those guys are top-tier threats on a good team either. So this power play might just be real, real bad again. Like, we might be approaching 12% again. I, I don't have confidence it got much better. That's they finished it like twelve last year, 12. right? That's what it was. I wrote it a couple times. Well, all right, so almost thirteen, almost thirteen. Yeah, you reround. Uh, like, yeah, could they? Generous. Could they be at like single digits? Is that a possibility? Oh no. man, that, I mean, they. I want to say no, but you know what? Like, I don't want to rule anything <laughs> What's out. What's the worst power play ever? Like, what? It, like, which team finished the worst ever? I don't know how you look that up. If I try to do it, you'll hear me typing for the next half an hour. That's I'm pretty it, sure it wouldn't be hard to find on NHL.com, but you, you might know, have to do it let's manually just, though. That's the only thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't think, I don't think it could be a the full worst three ever? percentage points worse. I mean, they they haven't. I mean, presumably the new guy, coach the coach guy. Uh, it's the take your shirt off guy. Is the power play guy? It right? is indeed. It is to take your okay. shirt off guy, Rocky Thompson. So, obviously, he's got great <laughs> vibes. I think, you know, maybe if he can, you know, figure out how to maximize his personnel and is actually good at putting together a power play strategy. I mean, they've been running a lot of stuff from below the goal line in the preseason, which was not something that they did a lot of last year. So, like, maybe, you know, these are NHL hockey players. Like, we must remember <laughs> It's, it's easy to forget. But these are, are they? NHL hockey Are they players. all? Yes. So, you know, maybe with a solid coaching strategy on the power play, they could find a way to not be a single-digit power play. I mean, yes, I, that, that should be the baseline. However, yeah, yeah. however, <laughs> number one, we have no proof at all that Rocky Thompson is going to be a good power play coach. Number two, like, I, I've made this point. Who... Do the Flyers have that you put on a power play that is going to scare any penalty kill? They don't have a no. single guy. Like they're trying to sell, no. they're trying to sell the tone D'Angelo is going to improve the power play. I've made this point on the show before. I got news for you: a defenseman at the point doesn't fix a power play. 
He can improve a power play. He can make it easier to get zone entries, and he can be a good facilitator. But he's not the guy who creates the chances, unless he's got a 106-mile-an-hour slap shot. And Tony D'Angelo don't gotta, have that. I got to say, as someone who vocally did not want them to go after Alex Dabrinkit, watching these Claude Giroux to Alex Dabrinkit highlights from the preseason is just... It is That's, so did we talk about this <laughs> on the air? Did we talk about this on the air that Giroux has to bring it and Voracek has Goudreau and Line A? I, I closed the show. And they're all this. gone? Yeah, and they're, I, yeah. I, I closed the show with that painful thought. I thought it's. it's yeah, I, I distinctly remember us being like, well, that's, that's a show, folks. <laughs> That'll do it. That's, uh, like, just to. I guess they could be better or at least not worse. But they had Claude Giroux for most of the year last year, and we've all we've all come, you know, to recognize that Giroux is not the power play weapon he once was. You put him with a guy like Debrinket, sure, but he's not going to create the goals the way he did. He's not going to make Scott Hartnell a thirty-seven goal scorer the way he did. But he's still, by a wide margin, the most offensively gifted player this team had, and they did absolutely nothing to replace him. Like, I'm going to ask the question later, is Noah Cates the best player on this team? And I'm not being facetious. I, I can't believe what I'm watching with this team in terms of the, the entire lack of skill. I don't know how they ever score a goal. The scoring does seem like it's going to be a bit of a problem. <laughs> it will. It sure I, does. It might be. I, know, I know, Charlie, that the nerds say that the goals don't matter. but. Uh, I'm just a joke, by the way. I know that that's not that's not what they're. Well, here's the thing. I they're I, also not going to possess the puck at all because they don't have anyone who's good at that. Not sure <laughs> so. they're gonna. Not sure they're gonna hold onto the puck a whole lot. Um, but you know, you know, some things could happen. I just wanted to say this one thing before we get into the rest of the show because it, it it comes up on Twitter from time to time. I had one dummy in my mentions talking about it last night. Time to um, time? You mean like every other day? Every day. Every day. Uh, yeah. Uh, At least once. While, while I believe the culture of this franchise is poor and the people running it are bad at their jobs, that has absolutely nothing to do with Gritty. Gritty has no impact on the results. The marketing, the sales, the in-game presentation, those departments have absolutely nothing to do with ho hockey ops. If you think Chuck Fletcher has ever once been like, what should the goal song be or anything like that? You're out of your fucking mind. You're truly an insane person if you think these things <laughs> are the least bit related. Like, grit, Gritty being some sort of representation of how far the organization has fallen or a change in its priorities. Simply asinine. Gritty was introduced in 2018. There were 43 years be without a Stanley Cup where Gritty, like, is he retroactively, uh, like, responsible for that? It, it, it's just... It was the Kate Smith stuff. You're mad at a bunch of people on the hockey ops side who are bad at their jobs, and you're taking it out on something completely unrelated. It's like if I tripped and fell down and yelled at the fucking moon. Like, I, I, I can't wrap my head around this line of thinking. Like... Chuck Fletcher, not distracted by, uh, like, you know, throwback bullies night. I'm gonna guarantee you that's not on his daily agenda. 
I, I, baffled. Baffled by this line of thinking. I'm mad. You're mad. We're all mad at how bad this team is. The marketing and sales and in-game people, nothing to do with it. They're actually the only ones doing a good job right now. Like, Gritty's an un, like a, an absolute success in every possible way. That's like, what they're, they're the mad only, at. They're the only ones doing a good job. Like, but, that, you know. Well, see, the, it, the, like, the part of it that annoys me is that, like, a lot of the arguments that get made for this, they're not inherently wrong. It's just presented in such a nefarious way. Like, the, the thing I hear the most is that the Flyers just use Gritty as a distraction to distract all of us from how bad the team is. Okay, number one, the way that's presented, it sort of implies that, like, Chuck Fletcher is, like, just, like, Mr. Burnsing in his office and being like, <laughs> oh, I built this awful hockey team. How do I get the fans to not realize how bad I am at my job? And then presses the gritty button, and then they do something gritty-related, and it's all just this scheme. That First off, like, I truly believe that some people think that's the way it works. Guys, it doesn't. That's not the way it works. Number I two. Just, number two. Sure. The argument for the team. The argument I hear is that, well, the team is bad, so they have to sell gritty. And it's like, yes, that is actually true. But the thing is, it's like, it's not like they create it gritty because the team is bad. It's that the team is bad. They can't sell the hockey team because it's freaking terrible. So what other choice do the people in the marketing department have? Then to sell the mascot that at least some people like and might actually convince well, some people to go to a hockey game because I got news for you. The team ain't convincing anybody. The actual hockey well, that's, ain't convincing anybody to go to these games. Well, that's two. One, the oh, it just distracts everyone from how bad the team is. Who are these people who are distracted? Yeah, who are I talk to Flyers fans every day. Not a single one of them thinks the team is anything but fucking terrible. Like... Yeah. We've actually had the conversation on underrating them because everyone thinks they're the worst team in the league, and it's like, yeah, like I don't know, Seattle might be worse or something. I, like, I Chicago, argued on Arizona. Twitter. I argued on Twitter that they're not the actual worst team in hockey, and I, I had people screaming at me, and I was just like, "Have you looked at Arizona's roster?" It's like, no, but they're yeah. they're so bad. It's like, yes, I concur. The Flyers are not good. Yeah. Arizona is worse. And it's also like this cause and effect thing, like, well, the distraction of Gritty... No, the team was trending down when they introduced Gritty. It, 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 the two, it's just completely unrelated. Like, also, it's, like... This idea is what made them bad. No, never drafting and developing a star ever is what made them bad. And also, if the front office, if the people employed by the team were distracted by the mascot to such a level that they could no longer do their jobs properly... We're still having the same conversation. Front office sucks. Yeah. Like, uh, I mean, no, it's, it's like, yeah, they're still not drafting and developing really good like, players. Are That's they the birds? problem. Like, they can't focus <laughs> on two they? things at once. Like, I don't understand. I don't understand. Like, it's just, it's so stupid. And I know that people just, like, need a place to, to like, direct their anger. But, like, gritty being good isn't, like, a personal affront to you as a Flyers fan like it's like just to have fun for five seconds in your life you can enjoy the stupid mascot That's it's fun the way the way we wanted like John Tortorella to torture the players 
and like have no enjoyment during training camp. I feel like some fans believe we should go that go through that too. Like we can't laugh for five seconds at the stupid fucking Muppet because the team's horrible. And if we laugh for five seconds at the stupid Muppet, then we're just we're absolving Chuck Fletcher. Like yes. I'm sorry, that's not yes. what's happening. No, no, enjoying a game makes you a bad person. If you like a player, it makes you a bad person. If uh, God forbid, like the first time, like Joel Farabee laughs during a loss, like, like, oh my God, people are going to lose their fucking minds. Like this is sports. And if you're taking it so seriously that you literally can't like wrap your mind around the idea of someone enjoying it, like you, you really, like, I, I need you to see a therapist. Like you're not doing well. Yeah. Like no, there's, like you're there's working through other like issues. your unresolved dad issues with John Tortorella. Like I get it. If he yells at you, that means he loves you. So it's good. Like I it, you just need to like you need to take a step back if you're this fucking worked up. Like I am getting really annoyed with people. Like if you're this mad, if you hate it this much, like just Quit. tap out until they're good again. You can yeah. do that. That's fine. Like no one's keeping track. If Kelly, you want to tap out, Kelly, you're like what? where I was like last, maybe like twelve to eighteen months ago. Because this is exactly what I went through twelve to eighteen months ago, and then yeah. I just gave up. I just gave up on most of the fan base because I got sick of them. Like, yeah, <laughs> just fucking chill out. It's hockey. Like, there's no. I mean, we get paid a little bit of money to talk about hockey. Charlie gets paid a lot of money to write about hockey. Yeah, like. Not a lot. It's yeah, the I mean, failing some. New York Times is paying him. <laughs> I'm just saying that like we have like an actual like skin in the game interest in this team being good. Imagine how fun our podcast would be if we ever got to talk about a good hockey team. And even we can like chill the fuck out for five seconds and yeah. remember that none of this is that important. None of it actually matters. Like You can have fun. <laughs> with a shitty hockey team if you choose to. Like, this is just an active choice you have to make. You can yeah. choose to be miserable, or you can choose to have fun. You only have one life. If you want to spend an entire year being fucking miserable online and offline about the sports team that doesn't know you exist, knock yourself out. I- I'm going to have fun. So Let's get to some of the, uh, some yeah, of the news of the day, now that we have our venting part out of the way here. Um, Flyers made some cuts. Most notably, I guess, Cam York headed to the Phantoms. Uh, Charlie noted that shorthanded goal that uh, fell on the young ginger's shoulders. It was... um, Not great, Bob. Not great. great. Real bad. To to quote Joe Girardi, it's not what you want. Um, (laughs) it, it 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 was just one of those plays that, you know, even if... Even if he'd looked okay through training camp and the preseason and everything, it's one of those p- plays you point to and go, let's get him off people's TV screens for a little bit. Like, send him to the Phantoms. It's not going to hurt at all. Um, Forster, Likesell, Yinning, uh, Karashik, who I don't even know what that is, were all sent down. Max Willman has to get through waivers. That's going to be a bummer when we lose him. He was fun for a couple of days last year. Um, Who's taking him? I don't know. Who's taking that guy? I don't know. That, no one took the giant that we yeah. sent down. No one wants Wax Millman. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> that's the thing legitimately that I made this case. We actually they, have a Millman, though, Kelly. I, I made this case when they sent down Isaac Ratcliffe, and people were losing their minds that someone was going to claim Isaac Ratcliffe. And the point I made was, look, 
he couldn't make one of the five worst teams in hockey. Do you really yeah. think teams are going to be banging their doors? Because what you got to remember is that if you claim a guy off waivers, you got to keep him on your roster. And if the Flyers don't want him on their roster, so much so that he even survived one major cut, do you really think another team is going to be like, yeah, we need that dude? No, yeah, like, I'm I'm real invested in Isaac Ratcliffe. Like, I've been talking him up since 2017. Um, he's not that good. I was impressed by what I saw from him in the NHL last year. I liked what I saw. But, like, yeah, he's a nice role player. You know what? Every team has five of those. It's one of the Flyers' problems. They're unable to, like, develop those guys. Uh, he didn't, like, he, he didn't make one cut, you know? So, how yeah, good could exactly. he possibly be? So, so let's, but Cam let's go York, back to York. Yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, people are mad about this one. People are mad about everything. I don't everything. see how. I, well, I, I like, see how because it's a reason to yell about the I, team. Sure, and I want Cam York to be here, and Kelly and I have always said, I believe the best way to learn to play in the NHL is to play in the NHL, and Absolutely. fuck, this is a great learning experience for him this year. No pressure minutes. I mean, the team's going absolutely nowhere, but if they think he just needs more time, then all right, I'm giving Tortorella the benefit here. Here's my thing, and I had a conversation with someone about this who argued that it's silly for them to consider these preseason games as a more accurate representation of what York brings to the table than the 30 or so games that he played in the NHL last year where he looked fine. I, my thing is that Cam York knows that what he did last year doesn't make him a regular NHLer. Like, he's not there yet. He's not a lock NHLer. He knew that we have this new coach whose entire fucking thing is you have to earn it. Cam York played like shit for the bulk of the preseason games that he played in. He played a lot of minutes, meaning he had a lot of time to turn that shit around, and he didn't. So that's fine. I mean, we've all been yelling about accountability. He didn't play well. He didn't make the team. Like, this is fine. I don't know why people are mad about it. We had the conversation, I think, last week about the idea how, like, you know, Dave Haxtall preached accountability, but it only really mattered for Travis Konecny and Shane Gostaspair. No one else was ever held accountable. Andrew McDonald got to play 20 minutes every night. And while, like, yeah, it's kind of the same thing, I guess, with York, but York is a first-round pick who the team's very highly invested in. He played some last year. If everyone started with a blank slate and you're being judged on what John Tortorella has seen... He wasn't good enough, and I'm fine with that explanation. He'll be up. He'll be yeah, exactly. a flyer probably in a month. By Christmas, at the latest. And, the, and like, I, I feel like people are treating this the way that we treated all of the times that Hack or Vino would choose some shitty vet over one of the kids who was playing well. But that's not the situation. Like, if York had a lights-out camp, and they sent him down because they wanted yeah. to keep Nick Sealer. Okay, yeah, now I'm pissed off. That doesn't make any sense to me. But York legitimately had a bad camp, and that's on him. So now he's getting taught a little bit of a lesson. And he'll get brought back up, and hopefully he'll be better for it. But it, it just seems like a very weird thing to be pissed off about when a guy that played not even just, like, fine. Like, he was actively bad in a lot of those games, and especially last night when he was just, like, an absolute embarrassment. Like you can't get walked by Casey Sezikas. Like that's yeah. That's there, sad. There's yeah. there's a couple things here. I mean, 
number one, you look at the flip side of it. The idea of, because Kelly, you basically were like, look, he didn't play well, he got set down. If he played the way he did this camp and he made the team and was in the, the starting lineup for game one, everyone would know that the only reason why he was in the starting lineup is because he was the first-round pick of 2019 and his name's Cam York. And that doesn't fit with what they're trying to create. Like, I knew he was toast from the minute that Tortorella went up in front of us on Tuesday, and Tuesday morning and basically said, Cam York needs to show us more. He's been okay. He's responded okay with a shrug, which is basically his way of saying, nah, he ain't shown us much. And then in the game later that night, he basically falls on his ass. And like, if you've, if you've thrown the gauntlet down and the guy very openly doesn't pick it up, you don't really have much of a choice because you lose credibility. He forced their hand. Yeah, yeah, you, lo- yeah, you yeah. lose credibility if you then don't send him down. That's that's exactly what I wanted to say, Charlie, is this whole culture thing, this whole idea of uh, accountability and we're, we're raising the standard, all this shit. It's out the door before game one. If that's what were to happen, Cam York gets it because of who he is or his draft status or whatever – the credibility's gone before they drop the puck on the regular season, and we're right back where we started from. I always have to get that. I always have to drop it in <laughs> whenever go. I can. Uh, I, I, I just, listen, I want to see Cam York. I want to see Tyson Forster. I want to see everyone who wasn't a major part of the team the last couple of years, because I'm, quite frankly, sick of most of these players. But they have to earn it. It's a new coaching staff, and this is what we want. The reason I wanted John Tortorella, or at least I was happy with the John Tortorella signing, was not so much what he's going to do for this team, because especially in the short term, they're not going anywhere anytime soon, but a return of accountability to the organization itself, from the Phantoms to the Flyers to the front office, everybody. If he loses that, what's the fucking point? Yeah, and another factor with this York thing, like... I, I forget which show I said it on, but I know I said it on at least a couple shows. I thought that one of the guys who might clash with, with John Tortorella at the beginning of the season was Cam York. And the reason why I've said that, there were rumblings last year, in the second half of last season, that Cam York has a little bit of an ego. And he's a little bit like, <laughs> hey, I like I killed it at the U.S. National Team Development Program. I killed it at Michigan. This is way this is the way I play and this is what I do and just let me do it and let me be awesome. And that's not something that I thought was going to rub John Tortorella and his coaching staff the right way if he came in with that kind of attitude and I don't think he's coming with like the attitude of like he's a dick off the ice, but I do think he's come he came in kind of with the attitude of I'm just going to play my game and that's going to be enough. And I think they are. They got frustrated that he just seemed passive on the ice. He was kind of just letting the game come to him. He wasn't being assertive. He wasn't being aggressive. And then when they would push him, he would just kind of do the same stuff and just sort of figured, well, eventually it'll work out for me. And they're not going to go for that. And I think, and this is their way, I think, of pushing him. And they want, they want this team clearly. They want this team to be aggressive and they want it to be assertive. And for the players who are physical and fight, that means they got to be physical and fight. For the players who are offensive, like Cam York, that means they got to be attacking. I mean, you can you can scream all you want about Tortorella being an old school dinosaur and whatever. And yes, 
you know, he makes comments like he made today with Ronnie Adder that, like, him getting his face punched in by, by Johnston, like, that meant he had to stay because, like, we love that shit. Like, yes, you're going to laugh about that. But what he said about Cam York was interesting to me where he basically said, look, we want Cam York to not just be, like, passing the puck the minute he gets it. We want him to be carrying the puck up ice. We want him to be engineering the breakout. Like, that's not old school dinosaur. That's, hey. You're an offensively gifted guy. Go be an offensively gifted guy. We don't want you off the glass and outing these pucks. We want you carrying it up Shane Goss's bear style. And, like, that doesn't strike me as a bad thing. They want this team no. to be an aggressive team. And Cam York and Camp was not an aggressive player. And now he's going to have to go down and try to be a more aggressive player because that's what's going to clearly that's what's going to get him noticed by this coaching staff. That's what gets people noticed by this coaching staff right now. Also, I got to tell you, I, I don't need another Ivan Provorov on this team. So if that's the attitude, sort of like the, what I'm doing is fine, and if you don't like it, that's a you problem, not a me problem. I don't, like, we don't need another one of those. Can't send Ivan Provorov down, so send the other one with the shitty attitude down and let him learn how to not be a dick. And that's like, you're being told, basically, go make a fucking, like, I can't imagine a better coaching directive than, like, Go make a fucking play. Go be awesome. It's not like they're asking Shane Gossespair to lay down in front of shots. You know, they're telling him to do the opposite. Like, go make a play. Go impress us. And he didn't. That kind of worries me about yeah. him overall. Yeah. That, like, that, that if me, this is his attitude and the way he plays, he's not very good. Yeah, that to me was the bigger... Like, everyone kind of, particularly on Twitter... It seemed like everybody jumped on the, like, well, the fucking Flyers, you know, look at them being stupid again. Which, like, I get it. Everybody's pissed off at the Flyers. Makes sense. To me, sure, the bigger yeah, to me, the bigger concern here is about Cam York. Like, just how good is this guy? Yes. Because, like, you know, I hate to bring it back up. Actually, no, wait. No, I don't hate to bring it back up. He's the guy they passed on Cole Caulfield for. Hey, so, okay. like, if he's mm-hmm. just not that good, good, that just makes the Flyers look bad in another way. And... In York's defense, Cole Caulfield got sent down last year. He came back and answered and was very good. Maybe this is that wake-up call. I don't know. I, I, I don't follow the Canadiens all that closely. I don't need to watch that many bad teams. Uh, but maybe he had a little bit of the same thing going on. You know, goal Caulfield and all, everything, and he wasn't scoring goals. Maybe a little bit of time in the AHL woke him up a bit. Hopefully that happens for Cam York because, goddamn, man, um, first round pick. I know it's 14th overall. It's not second overall or something, but they can't miss on these guys. No, these guys at least have to be something. Uh, you know, there, there's more talent to come. There's more high draft picks to come in the next couple of years. But the 2019 first round pick, if they're ever going to turn it around, he needs to at least be like something another team would want to trade for. You know, he can't just be some bum. Yeah. Yeah. I'm look, I'm with you. I I'm a hundred percent with you there. And you know, it's 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 concerning on the level of, you know, you've got Travis Sandheim to resign at the end of this year. You yeah. have to make a decision on Ivan Provorov, and kind of the thought process was like, well, maybe you're only gonna keep one of those guys because you got Cam York coming. Well, if Cam York is just a dude, then I mean, then then you're in a whole nother situation. You know, Big they problem. they're expecting Cam York to be a good player, and I still think he could be a good player. But this does raise a bit of a red flag that he wasn't able. I mean, this spot, like, to be clear, they wanted to give him this spot. 
They went into camp, yeah. and it was like, we got Justin Braun to play with Cam York. Like, that's why we want we want him to have a veteran beside him on the third pair. Yeah. That was the plan. Braun Sealer makes no sense. Yeah, York flopped. He flopped in camp. And that's, that doesn't mean yeah. he's going to be terrible. Doesn't mean that he's a bust, but he flopped in this camp. And that's, on its on the surface, legitimately a bit of a concern. Uh, any thoughts on anyone else who uh, got sent down, got waived today? I mean, nah, Forrester I mean, some, was always kind of a long shot. Some people seem yeah. to really think that Tyson Forrester was going to make this team. I've long been skeptical of that. I mean, I've expressed my skepticism about just how good of a prospect he is on this show. I think he's a fine prospect, but the idea in my mind that he was going to be so good that he was going to bang the door down and, and make the team right, right out of camp, that always struck me as way too optimistic and way too high on who he is as a prospect and who he is as a player. That's just my opinion. Uh, like Cell kind of like was one of those impressive guys. He and was he really didn't get good. Him. I think he, he was, tailed he off was... a little bit at the end. He made good plays off yeah. camp. I think he's a good player, but he definitely he started out strong, and I think he wore down a little bit as camp progressed, which mm-hmm. is understandable. I mean, that was a hard camp. Yeah, it is a hard camp. Yeah. Still going on, and it's it's a great learning experience for these guys. Uh, I hope to see them all up at some point this season. My God, soon. Um, just back to York real fast. Birthday's January 5th. He'll turn 22. Is he wearing a Flyers jersey before his 22nd birthday? I think so. But before January? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think so. I think he'll be yeah. back up pretty quick. Uh, and that's, that's what it get, comes down to for me. He'll be here. You know, he's gonna be here. Uh, did anyone watch the episode two of The Standard, Kelly? I sure did, Bill. Yeah, I did too. Was, and I, can I'm we... such a sucker for this stuff. Okay, so here's the thing. So am I. 100% the first one had me ready to like put on all of my Flyers jerseys and like run across the Ben Franklin Bridge. The second one, uh, not so much. That scene with Fletcher and his cohorts oh, God. in that room, I've oh, never man. seen anything so uncomfortable in my entire mm. life. That really can't be how, like, that can't be how it goes. Like, that couldn't have been real. It's got to be, sta- it's been, gotta like, a be the most staged It's got to be staged. Yeah, he, St- Fletcher looks so stilted in that, in that clip. Like, there's it no way that's real. just, okay, everyone guys, just here silently. Is the roster, and it is the, the guys you think it is. The like, it, it was dings <laughs> coming from the laptops. Like, it was just so. Like, and, if, like, I... <laughs> I kind of don't know why the people making this little film project thought that that was a good thing to include. Like, I can understand they might have been like, all right, Chuck, let's had. get you in a room. <laughs> yeah. uh, let's pretend we're doing a meeting about roster stuff. And, like, you know, we'll throw that in there for people. After they watched it, they should have been like, all right, we can't. We can't but let like, people see him like that. That's not And that's here's... Not here, like the genius of Hard Knocks on HBO, like obviously everyone knows they're on camera, but you know they're able to get like the hidden camera look. Like uh, we're looking down from above when a player is sitting at the coach's desk, like and he's getting cut or they're having a conversation or whatever. So it's like it's a remote camera. This was yeah. very clearly done by a camera crew. Yeah, yeah, and I think that there's probably with with Hard Knocks. Um... I feel like they probably keep the film crews with those teams for like a long time, like yeah. long enough for them to get used to them yes. being around. Exactly. And then and you forget act at like times. Themselves. Yeah. You forget right, at right, times. Right. And then also using like, you know, remote cameras or whatever. But I, I mean, I mean, I don't 
I don't, there's enough to shit on Chuck Fletcher about. I don't really need to point out no. that he's like a robot. It was just this. Was this pain. episode was not as uh, exciting for me. I just thought the batting practice thing was cool because it was fun. When like hockey's such a specialized sport, like I can't imagine being good at something else too. If you can hit a fucking home run. (laughs) Kevin Hayes hit multiple homers in in an MLB baseball stadium. Like, what in the world? Like, he's been doing it his whole life. If I had 100 swings, I wouldn't hit one out. No. Like, were they getting pitched to by by a pitcher? Like, was that like an actual? I think it was like. It was just like a batting practice guy. It was a bullpen coach or something. Probably the guy who throws batting practice to the team. Right. Okay. So, you know, not someone's dad like it was a a real pitch and (laughs) kevin hayes was dinging him right out (laughs) it was kind of fun to watch i just thought it was also fun that what's his what's his face whose name i don't know because i don't really baseball that hard um like knew that travis konechny played in sarnia like that that was what i wanted to say like I love having a Canadian manager of this team because Rob Thompson, oh, you played in Sarnia, right? Like, that was hilarious to me. I found that really, I just, it made me actually, I've been down on the Phillies for like a month and the last like five days have brought it all back for me. Uh, So that's, uh, I'm sure you might feel the same way, Charlie. I mean, it's been fun. I've been so busy though with work and stuff that I I really haven't been able to get into it as much as I wish I could. All right. I love uh, that every sports team in Philadelphia is like the most fun right now. Well, except for the Flyers. Except for the well, team we cover. <laughs> and on like that it note, it couldn't be more starkly different. No, that's like I've I've seen like multiple tweets about like you know oh I just had a kid uh, you know a couple of months ago they've never seen the Eagles lose they've never seen the Phillies miss the World Series or they've never seen the Phillies miss the playoffs they've never seen Ben Simmons in a Sixers jersey and they've never seen the Flyers I'm like ah good for that kid yeah don't <laughs> don't right. break uh, that streak <laughs> let's uh let's take a quick break here we'll be back on the other side I want to talk about the goalie I want to talk about Noah Cates all sorts of shit still to come. This is Advertiser Content, brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down... We break down who will be cutting... Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys! It's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snackin'. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to frito No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void wherever hit Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. All right, fam, we are back. I hope you enjoyed that uh, plug for a product and or service. Um, so the backup goalie battle, huh? Yeah, I did not see... I, not, I mean, Felix was good. I did not see Samuel Ersan coming, though. He was, uh, well, correct me if I'm wrong, Charles, but he was pretty good in the Swedish league, right? 
Yeah. So the I mean he's he's been a good prospect. He's just somebody who a lot of people yeah. didn't really know about. But no, he was really good at multiple levels in the Swedish league. In his final year in the SHL, he played for a really, really bad Brinas team and like was one of the best goalies in the league if you were accounting for shot quality because they were just giving up so many high high quality chances every night. So he was always kind of an underrated prospect, and it, it, he was real good in, in camp last year. It's just then he immediately got hurt, and then his season got destroyed. So it doesn't <laughs> shock me that he's playing well. It's maybe hurts. shocking me that he's playing this well, especially after missing an entire season. But he's put himself right into the mix. It's just this backup situation is so weird right now because, mm. I mean— Number one, you've got Carter Hart, who is very much up in the air for whether he's going to be ready for game one. That that he's yeah, that's... he is up in the air. So you've got okay. that you got that to start. Then you got Felix Sandstrom, who I think if he was healthy, probably would stand as the clubhouse favorite because he's no longer waiver exempt, so he would have to clear waivers to, to get sent down. He has NHL experience and he looked pretty good doing it. You know, even if it was minimal, he did play a little bit last year and looked pretty solid. And he's just older. He's just got more general experience. This is kind of his time. But then he got hurt. And now you don't know when he's going to be able to come back. Then you've got Urson, who, yes, if you're looking at this purely based on merit, Samuel Urson won the backup job. He has performed the best out of the three people competing for the backup job. However, it's still the backup job. This is a guy who played in very few games all of last season. And I would not... I would not begrudge the Flyers if they look at it and they say, you know what, we think this guy can be, you know, maybe a, a starting NHL goalie, and maybe we don't want his development, his developmental years to be spent being a 25-game backup in the NHL. Maybe we want to give him a full year in the AHL to play a bunch of games Fair. and to figure stuff out. Like, I'd have no problem either way. I do think he's been the best goalie, but if they send him down for that reason, I get it. Then you have Troy Grosnick. Yep who's the only one who hasn't been good. And the only way he wins the job is if either is if, is if A, they want to send Urson down to get time, which meant he never was really in the competition at all, and B, Sandstrom is hurt and can't play. And then I guess Grosnick just wins by default. You can't go into the season with Grosnick as the backup. Like, I mean, you can. Does it, does it really matter? Well, that's the thing. Like, could he possibly start? Next week. That's, like, is he, he, like, there's a chance <laughs> he's between the pipes on October 13th against the Devils, right? Oh, well, well, no. I mean, there, there is no. a chance. I mean, because I would no? assume, and maybe I'm giving the Flyers too much Felix better. would get the start. If no, I mean, play. I would assume if it's, if it's the nuclear option and it is Hart can't play and Sandstrom's hurt, I think they would start Urson because I think they know he's better than Gross. Like the reason why they would send Urson down so. at this point is because they want him to get playing time. If he's going to get playing yeah. time in the NHL, then sure, that solves both problems. Sure, players. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I thought you were going to say the nuclear option is re-signing Michael Layton, but I'm glad well, that's I, not I, the case. I mean, in all honesty, I guess the real <laughs> nuclear option, which you can't fully rule out, is... Everybody sends down goalies at the end of camp. They could always claim somebody and and throw him in there. Like that is could Cal happen. Cal Pickard is he still around? Oh God, do not bring up Cal Pickard. <laughs> Next, you're going to ask me who's going to be uh, captain. Mike McKenna coming. Ah, <laughs> you ruined the end of the show, Charlie. No, no, <laughs> yes. No, the Stole coach, it from you, the Bill. coach, the coach came out and said 
He's going to start the year without a captain, so the question is on hold for uh, at least the time being. Um, yeah, what? Man, if Carter Hart doesn't play in the opener, like, this could, it, it's a, it's going to be such a, honestly, I don't want him to be hurt, hurt, but it could really set the tone for the year. I'm kind of crossing my fingers we get Samuel Arson, uh, like, in the opener. <sighs> The only problem with this is, like, I was looking at ticket prices for the opener the other day, and, like, I'm, uh, I'm not going to spend $150 to watch Troy yeah. Grosnick. <laughs> yeah, cool. I would say um, wait till next Wednesday or Thursday, Yeah, <laughs> and those prices are going to come down. Flyers, if but you're who listening. Knows? Who knows? You could give me a ticket. Uh, so, one of the biggest takeaways, I think, for everybody... And it hasn't been a shock. He was really good when we saw him, you know, briefly last year. Is Noah Cates the best player on this team? <laughs> he's probably he's been the best player so in preseason. Good. Like, he's actually really good. Um, he's not the star they need. I'm not saying build around Noah Cates or anything. I'm just saying, for this roster, he has stood out ahead of everybody, right? He is a nice little player. If he this is. was a good hockey team, we would be fucking pumped about Noah Cates on the third line. Like, it would be awesome. Well, so here's, here's the question is. for you, Bill, because you raise a legitimate point, and I will throw this question back. Because to me, Noah Cates, what he's looked like since he, got, since he got signed and brought to the NHL last season, he's carried this over in a preseason in camp. He's basically looked like Oscar Lindblom, but quicker. So here's yes. my question. If you could take the first half of 2019-2020 pre-cancer diagnosis Oscar Lindblom, take that guy and put him on this team, where does that guy rank on this team? Because that guy was pretty darn good, and Cates might just be him. Like, on that team, Lindblom was like maybe the third or fourth or fifth best forward on this team? Yeah. Like, he would be one of the best? <laughs> That's like, we had so much... I, I fully, like, I really love that comparison. Uh, we just had so much more of a sample size with Limblom. Because leading up to that, we all saw Limblom could play. And yeah, it was a little true. bit, like, he doesn't have the, he doesn't have, like, the tip at skill set or anything. But it was like, man, if these chances would just go the fuck in, like, Limblom would be, like, a legit top six forward. And then, suddenly, the chances all started going in the net for him. And then, of course, you know, the diagnosis happened. But before that, it was like, oh, it's the culmination of all this, and he's figured it out. I, I just don't have enough of the, uh, like, sample size of Noah Cates to see, like, oh, is is he always in the right place at the right time? Like, Limblom was always in the right place. It's like, he's not very fast, he doesn't have the best shot, but, God damn it, he's exactly where I need him to be, and that's why there's always a scoring chance when he's on the ice. And, like, Noah Cates has just really looked a lot like that, though. I just need to see more, but, yeah, fuck. I, you're on to something with that comparison. I, I just really, in like I said in at the top of the show, I'm kind of looking forward to this year. At least Noah Cates is different. There's going to be something redeeming about this season. Maybe it's that Cates is a guy I was never counting on, and suddenly it's, I really like him. Do you think we're going to get the... We're we're gonna get both of them. You think? That's that was my next question. Is Jackson making it? Because that'll that's give fun. you something fun to root for. Yeah. Well, he made it. They have fourteen healthy forwards. They have no centers on this team right now. They're still in camp. That's not including Joel Farabee, who has not yet been cleared to play. 
he's one of them. Jackson Cates is still here. I think there's a darn good chance he's made this team. Because to me, the guys that are still fighting for spots are Jackson Cates, Tanner Lazinski, and Hayden Hodson. And mm. I think there's a strong case he made that out of those three, Jackson Cates has been the most impressive in camp. I'm into it. I think Terry Lazinski is a better prospect. I think he will ultimately be a better NHL player. But you can make a case that just looking at this camp in preseason that, that Cates has been better than Lazinski. If we're looking at that, it's a clean slate. It's what you show Tortorella. If, if, if it's you know that criteria, Jackson Cates, yeah, I would say. Probably the winner of those three. I do love Lazinski. I want to see more of him. But yeah, if if it comes down to a guy who showed it versus a guy who didn't, I'm absolutely fine with that. It's at least these guys are and I just crossing my fingers they stay healthy. But at least they're all we're gonna see a lot of these guys finally get the chance we've been talking about for two years now. You know? It, maybe that's the redeeming quality this season. We finally find out about some guys we've been waiting on. Is that, like, could that possibly be the good thing about this year? Definitely. It yeah. definitely can be. And and that's the thing that I think people are getting caught up in this York thing. Like, we are going to get a lot of kids on this team. Like, we're going to see the kids playing. And I... They have no choice. They have no choice, <laughs> A. And, I mean, Tortorella has kind of suggested that that's where he's He said going the words. Anyway. Yeah. yeah, he said the words. I'm playing the kids. I, and I, I, I had somebody on Twitter literally during the show because I made the case that, like, look, you know, you can't really you can't really make the argument that, like, they lied to you by saying they were going to play the kids and then they sent down Cam York because, like, I listed all the kids who are still here. And this one dude on Twitter responded with, well, all the kids you named are 23 and older, so they're not kids anymore. And I was like, are we really going to do this? Are we really going to do this? The goalposts are heavy. You guys are going to hurt yourself. That's where we are. Further and further back. (laughs) And like, you don't have to be angry all the time, guys. You don't have to be angry all the time. You really don't. I agree. That's a problem. But that's where we are. We have a bunch of guys who were 21, have been hurt for two fucking years, and now they're 23 and 24. Like, that's that's the way time works. We haven't got a chance to look at these guys. Who's 19 that we're going to play? Like who, like, who are these younger people? Yeah, like, I, they don't exist. I would like Desnoyers to be on the team, but I, no, everyone else in, on Earth. Yeah, did, what crazy. play did he make? Like, yeah, you know? Yeah. He's what, not like, ready to make the NHL. I would just personally enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's fun. If, if we have Desnoyers and Delaurier in the same lineup, that's Ooh, fun to me. Yeah. Ooh, only yeah. if, only For if JJ. also... Also, kid, I, I, I beg you, I really, really like Noah Cates. I beg you, Noah Cates, <laughs> please change your number because it is so hard to tell the difference between you at number 49 and Morgan Frost at number 48 from up in the press box. Holy they fucking look, shit. They look almost exactly the same. They're almost the away. exact like same faces. height. They have yeah. similar frames. <laughs> They're both lefty shots. Like, please, please. Please. Well, change the good your number, news is, Noah. Charlie, the good news is, Charlie, one of them's an NHL player. Uh, Ooh. Oh. Wait, well, I, 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 back, I, a, a couple well, weeks ago, back, weren't you on the Morgan show. Frost train? I made, no, I, it was a joke. I made the case for Morgan Frost last week. I'm pro Morgan Frost this year. I, he's got a clean, I'm like John Tortorella, clean slate. 
Morgan Frost, to me, is a rookie this season. This is the first I've ever seen Morgan Frost. I'm going to judge him for the 82 games he plays, or more likely the 60 games he plays. And <laughs> See, I can't stop. I can't help myself. Uh, but uh, it, clean slate for a kid like that. Uh, just rooting for him. They need someone. Someone has to make something of themselves. It's enough. There's 60 minutes of opportunity for a bunch of guys who aren't, we didn't think were very good. Like, yeah, Kevin Hayes is going to get some shifts and like, that's it. You know, it's, it's a whole bunch of other players, him and Atkinson, who else, you know, a whole bunch of guys who aren't very good. good. Yeah. Yeah. Connectney, Sure. He'll probably hope he gets, I know you, I know you've, you've written him off, but he's still a good player. I, it's not that I've written him off. I know exactly what he is. He has no more questions to answer for me. He's a good second-line winger on a good team. You know what this isn't? That. He's in oh, his prime right now. But, like, you can't he's write him off. It's right just, now, like, we have no irrelevant. use for him. I mean, no, he's, he's not a talented players. He, yeah. he doesn't have any... He doesn't have the two talented players that he needs on a line in order to be good yeah, for like, Travis Konechny. Like, I don't know how he's going to... When it was him and no. Couturier, and Couturier was at the height of his prime, and, like, maybe it's Drew on the other side, maybe it's, like, Limblanc, whoever, like, that's great. Yeah. But since he doesn't have that, like, he's, he's just... not even close. I just know what he is, and it's a very good player. He's just, he's in his prime right now. The Flyers have no use for him. Like, that's... Okay. Cool. So let's, um, let's use that as a transition. So. Yeah. Leading uh-huh. scorer on this Flyers team. <laughs> so last year, um... Giroux was on a 60-point pace through the 57 games he played. Uh, He missed some time and then, of course, gets traded. 105-point pace in the 18 games he played with Florida, in case you were wondering what happens when you put talent around Giroux still. Uh, But the leaders of the team were actually Travis Konechny at 52 points and Cam Atkins... 50 fucking... I thought for sure it would be like 58, 59, 60. Wow. No, 52. And, and this was Cam in the year when, when like, everyone was scoring like crazy. Like, scoring was way yeah. up around the league. Scoring was up, the like, like, the first year out of the lockout. Like, skill is actually at a premium again. There's, I actually, my quick theory that I'll throw out there. There's finally 32 teams, which means every team has to ice some bad players. And when there was 30, that wasn't the case. And that little bit of extra, like, oh, yeah, a couple of extra AHL guys in the league means Connor McDavid gets to have 150 points instead of 110. Like, that's that's how I see uh, what's happening right now. And I hope they get to 34 teams, honestly. Let's fucking get some 80 scoring numbers going. But anyway, <laughs> who leads this team in scoring this year? Mm. Hmm. Well, the reason why I want to eat a transition is because I think it's going to be connecting. The way I look at Probably, it is... Probably, right? Yeah. The way I look at it is, Konechny led the team in points last year with 52 while shooting 7.3%. That's and could gonna, not score to save his that's life. That's going to yeah. go up, I think. Like, it, it, it really should. So that's, like, what, another, like, four or five goals? Like, I think he's in, like, the mid-50s, and I don't know if anybody else in this team can score in the mid-50s. Like, Atkinson maybe can if he stays healthy, but he's already hurt. So, like, I guess it's Konechny by default, right? Like, Farabee's going to uh, miss time, and he's probably going to, like, slowly uh, ease himself into playing what he can, like, doing what he can do. Kevin Hayes has never been a big scorer, like, ever. His best season is, like, 60. That was years ago yeah. before three surgeries. Yeah, and, like, I mean, Kevin he Hayes. Could theoretically get a ton of assists only because if the Flyers score goals, it's going to have to happen. Make it a lot of assumptions here, Kelly. 
<laughs> I know. I, I mean, it, I feel like they would have to come with him on the ice because the subsequent lines just get like exponentially worse. No. Peek behind the curtain here a second. On the outline, I was trying to look up teams that scored the fewest goals in NHL history. (laughs) (laughs) And and to be clear, when we've been talking, obviously, with Tortorella every day over the past week or so, it's kind of been funny where, like, he's more and more dropping not-so-subtle hints that, like, he knows this team ain't gonna score much. Like I think a couple days well, ago, he was basically like, "We know, like you know, we're gonna have to forecheck to get our goals because it's not gonna come yeah. easy." And what he wants to say is, "Holy shit, this team can't score." <laughs> uh, that's that's something I wanted to ask. Actually, we'll get back to the leading scorer, but he did. He said that you know we're gonna. He basically said we have to take chances because we're never gonna score if we don't. Yeah. Like that's yeah. a summary, but it's what he said. Yeah. Um. We kind of saw a team in that last preseason game against the Islanders take a few more chances, score three goals for the first time this postseason. They actually had a total hit seven, which, oh my God, unbelievable for this team. But scored three goals, but of course gave up four. Do you think that this team is going to be more of take chances, score a few more, but obviously give up more? Or play conservative and hope one two is enough. Like if you had to guess what this team is gonna be, God, I know what I'm hoping they're gonna be. Yeah, I'm hoping they're gonna be the chance taking team that also gives up a ton of goals because at least that's fun. But I could, I could very, I could see them starting out that way, and when it ends up being a disaster, like just like very quickly transitioning into just like a trappy, lockdown, boring ass hockey team. I don't. That's think- like. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't think it's that simple. Like, I think we tend to look at it more in the sense of, like, yeah. either you're fun and fast and attacking or you're boring and slow and Barry trots and muck it up. And I don't think it's quite That's the that. only two ways. I don't think it's quite that simple. <laughs> like, I think I think Torts does legitimately want them to be an attacking team. He wants them to attack. And this is something I'm, I'm writing a story on the York demotion, and I'm kind of tying it all into this. But I get the sense that Torts... They, the identity they want this team to kind of coalesce around is this idea of being aggressive and being attacking. And for offensive players, that's all about, you know, going after pucks, aggressive on the forecheck, defensemen should pinch, you know, let's take chances. He had a very good quote a couple days ago. It was basically like, yeah, you know, is it going to lead to some some two-on-ones going the other way? Sure, but that's why we have a goalie. And some people lost their shit on that in a bad way. I kind of loved it. Like, you know what? Yeah. That that that's a that's a forward thinking way of looking at it. The flip side yes. of it though is that he wants the offensive guys to attack. He also wants the big physical guys to attack, and their version of attacking is he wants them to fight, he wants them to hit. Yes. And what I think they are trying to do is they are trying to kind of create like a new age broad street bullies type of flyers hockey where it's like oh, good we're attacking and we're aggressive offensively and we take chances but we also fight a lot and hit a lot and that's like what they want to reshape this team into and kind of like uh. and that's the, that, that's the, the the sense that i get is that and like there's good of that like the good of that is they don't just want to be boring they want to take chances offensively they want to tell their offensive guys to play offense as long as they do the details on the other side, but they also want to, you know, bring back some of the old days that they think will appeal to Philadelphia in the way that they felt like they lost over the last decade because Ron Hextall was literally Satan in the eyes of the alumni. So, you know, 
that's kind of what I think they're trying to build. And in that sense, like, they think that they can take chances but not necessarily give up a ton of goals while doing it because they will have the details better. Tortorella is going to have their details in the defensive zone be better. He's going to have their line changes be better. He's going to hold people accountable and make it so they don't fuck up that obviously. And yes, he'll be like Tortorella, Tortorella will be willing to accept if like, you know, Tony D'Angelo pinches in the offensive zone, gets caught, two on one, they score. He'll accept that. He won't accept if, you know, Morgan Frost loafs on a line change and then it becomes a four on three in the offensive zone down low because the center's gone. Like, that's the kind of stuff they think they're going to clean up. And by cleaning that stuff up, they're going to give up fewer goals. And then they're just not going to be able to score a lot because they just don't have the offensive talent to score a lot. So they're going to lose a lot of 2 1 games, even though they're taking chances and they're hopefully having the puck. So I know I just said a lot, but like that's kind of what I think their vision of how the season is going to go, what it looks like. And I will say, like I I hope he has the stomach for that, Tortorella, because that's I would like to see this be an attacking team. I I would like yeah. to see them take chances. You need uh you need that mentality, and we all remember. I mean, Tortorella years ago, you know, safe as death and all that stuff, but. Dave Haxtall wanted to be an aggressive attacking team. And then you know what happened? Every single fucking odd man rush resulted in a goal against. They never got a save. And so Dave Haxtall became what we now remember as Dave Haxtall, a guy who just off the glass and out. Fuck it. Like, that was how they played. And I hope Tortorella has more of a stomach for the early bumps that they're going to go through at least. And to Charlie's point, I hope it's... like. D'Angelo pinching causes the problem and not someone, you know, not getting off the ice fast enough, shit like that. Because there's difference between mistakes and just being an asshole. And everyone can live with physical mistakes. No one can live with you not trying hard or or mental mistakes. I don't think we need to worry about Tortorella doing a hack. I mean, Hackstall was, you know, a brand new coach and was probably trying to save himself from himself tortorella knows that he's not getting fired so he's gonna do what he wants to do not by this gm nope (laughs) all right so back to the leading scorer um Mm -hmm. it has to be tk right I was trying I just, to galaxy brain. Who it, else can possibly produce? Yeah, like, who else could it he be? produces points? It's it's what he does. He's a point producing winger. Uh, he's not a superstar or anything, but his quality is that. And to yeah. Charlie's point again, he's got to score more than he did last year. It would be physically impossible for him not to. I hope. You would hope. <laughs> I mean. I don't know. I can't. I can't talk myself into anybody else. So I'm just gonna go with what Charlie said. Who leads the team in actual goals? Mm. I want to say Atkinson, but he's hurt for an undetermined amount of time. But I feel like it'll probably be Atkinson since he's the shooter. Yeah, I mean Atkinson's probably the chalk pick, right? Like yeah. he he's the shooter. As long as he's healthy, he's gonna probably score a fair amount of goals. 
Konechny, I mean, I think I said on the pod a few weeks ago that I was picking Konechny to lead the team in goals. I'll stick to that. I think Konechny will lead the team in goals and points. Sure, why not? Let's go all in on TK. I think, I think when he's traded, JVR will lead the team in goals, oh and Owen Tippett will take a late lead. Oh, God, how fun would it be if Owen Tippett led the team in goals? You know, something good has to happen Come to on. us. What if he just turns out? Something happen. good has to happen. He finally I just, got a goal, so like maybe yeah, now it went in. Goal score. Yeah, it happened. Went in. It went in. Yeah. Um, Kelly, you added this. I want to get to this real fast on the uh, on the outline about uh, I don't know who this person is, but someone tweeting about how everyone's talking about how the lack of goals is a problem, but nobody has mentioned. How they've given up very few goals against as well. Now, last night, of course, they give up four, so that's the most recent thing. But yeah, they've, you know, crazy, they've yeah. played in some two-one, three-one games, shit like that. It's they're not getting blown out, I guess, is is the point here. And we have, I think, at least done some work in acknowledging there's a world in which this defense isn't horrible, yeah. right? Like yeah. with John Tortorella as the coach. And the possibility that Provorov and D'Angelo are a good pairing. Uh, Ristolainen and, and Sanheim, another step with their chemistry. Braun, you know what you get out of Braun. Hopefully York's up and whoever's next to Braun before that. Like, there's the makings of a... like. If you're to compare the two position groups, I can't make a case that this team can ever score. It's a I can say, defense. I can say that they're not... Awful. The worst defensively. No, Maybe. on paper anyway. You yeah. know, from where we're sitting right now, no. With Torts as coach and competent yeah. goaltending as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That the goaltending is like a is right sure. now, which is hilariously like the biggest question mark. Um do we know, Charlie, what's wrong with Carter Hart? Um, it's lower body. I, I don't know specific. Some people oh, good. The, some people have theorized it's an ankle. Um I don't know for sure either way. Okay. Okay, I'll take ankles, an ankle. I was worried you were gonna groin. say groin. Yep. Yeah, I yep. was really worried about it being. I'll take. A groin. I would take an ACL over a fucking groin. Seriously. Like <laughs> an ACL, no you get the surgery and it's fixed. <laughs> like the groin, you're just Ron Hextall. It's like, yeah, he's just never gonna be as good. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, in okay. fairness, uh, Samuel Urson had an entire year destroyed by groin injuries, and he looks pretty good. Yeah, he looks fair. Um, he's Swedish though; they're genetically superior. Oh, really? It's Is that true. how it works? I mean, look at them. They're very look tall. At look at them. <laughs> and attractive. So, you know. Fucking watch like the Swedish volleyball team. Like, Jesus <laughs> Christ. Men's or women's. I'd sleep with all of them. Uh, <laughs> we mentioned how uh, they're going to want this team, yeah, to attack on offense, do all that shit. That, uh, we hope they're a little more interesting than we think they're going to be. But they want, th- I mean, Christ, they gave Delorier four years. They re-signed McEwen. Nick Sealer is going to make this team. We know what they want this team to be. Get so were you? PK is good. Were you at least a little disappointed last night that when Ross Johnston, a fucking goon, comes a calling for a twenty-three-year-old, basically rookie, college kid? Yeah. Zach McEwen on the ice. He didn't jump in. Deloria was. was right there. Was. Was it's not the biggest thing. It's not the biggest thing in the world. It's not going to make or break my opinion of McEwen. But Jesus Christ, you're out there for one reason, and it's no, that. Yeah, that's the thing. Like we were. You have no other role. Like, we got all these guys for this reason. 
So yeah. why is Ronnie Adder getting his face punched in? And Ronnie Adder, to his credit, 6'3", He's not a little fucking guy. And no, but he's not it a is, fighter. No, he's not. But it he's is a, a lot of times... Player. It is a lot of times a young guy's prerogative. It's like a badge of honor. We heard about how Adderd was referred to after the game and today to take on that fight and do it themselves. Um, but I'd prefer not to see him get his face smashed in like it was last night. He's not very good at it. No, and also, like, the talent is very thin. We can't afford to be losing guys that are actually good at hockey to injury because they've gotten their face punched in by a goon. Like... That's why Nick Delorier exists. That's like it's an actual. It's a goon. Like if he just got in a fight, a goon. Yeah, that's one thing. No. He fought fucking that guy. You know, <sighs> come on. That's McEwen. the guy. The one guy on the Islanders that Nick Delorier should be taking care of. If Ronnie Adderd fought somebody else, whatever. But no, like that's their goon. Our goon is supposed to take care of their goon. That's how it works. Well, it wasn't even the the and point that I the point that I'm making. You guys are focusing on McEwen. My point is that it wasn't just McEwen. Both McEwen and Delorier were on the ice, and they and were Delorier. just kind of yeah, they were they just kind of standing yeah. there. Like this was this is your truculence line, and the two guys who were supposed to throw the fists were just kind of standing there watching the rookie throw the fists. Like again yeah, he tried. this goes back to the thing we discussed a lot which is the deterrents don't actually deter nope and that's, they really i don't need don't. him to deter i don't need them to deter i need them to jump the fuck in when this happens it's yes. gonna happen it's hockey it's inherently violent when it happens especially like if it's a meaningful game you can't like that's a 17 minute penalty it's an ejection like okay you can't do that in a playoff game. Sure. This is a preseason game yeah, for a team a going fucking nowhere. Yeah, who gives a shit? Like, it matters not at all. <laughs> Jump the fuck in. Yeah. It was, yeah especially, and, and, like, you're at home. This is why we signed you. Like, fucking give people a show at least. Yeah. If you do it, they slap the C on you. Like, <laughs> you know? It's, and, and, that's, that's what you're here for, kid. Congratulations. And, and in fairness... Tortorell actually said that today. He was like, you know, I would have liked it if somebody else would have done that instead of Ronnie Adderd having to do it. So at least he he acknowledged that, you know, hey, we got we literally had all three of Nick Delurier, Zach McEwen, and Nick Sealer on the ice, and somehow Ronnie Adderd's the one who's fighting Ross Johnson. Like, what are we actually doing here? But like, look, <laughs> my my general opinion of this whole fighter thing, which is like, well, we need the tough guys or whatever, that like is it real? Yeah, to a point. But a lot of it is, like, the people who make a big deal out of this thing, like, they really want hockey to be the way it was 30 years ago, and having those guys on the team makes them feel better about what hockey is now. Like, it's all about, and like, soothing people's, like, hurt feelings about the way the game has went, more so than actually having a, like, serious, tangible impact on anything. The show on which my co-host attacks me personally. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, look. I, Are you I, 30 I would, yet, Charlie? You'll understand one day. I would like it much better if people were just honest and be like, hey, I want a fighter on the team because I like fights because they're fun. Rather than be like, yeah. no, if you have a fighter on the team, it's going to make everybody else better. Like, mm. I, like, like, we had, I like, think, think if you have... Play against. 
I think if you have Tom Wilson or Wayne Simmons, it can make you a better team, especially in the yeah, playoffs. Because they're good hockey but players. Like, yeah, that's it's good hockey player who also beats you the yeah. fuck up. Yeah. Like, that's the... I, I believe that can make you a better team, but it starts with good hockey. And that's what we've been saying all offseason. The Flyers are skipping the whole part where they have, you know, the Leach-Clark-Barber line, and they just have the goons. Like, no, it was a team full of Hall of Famers, and they beat the shit out of you. Dave Schultz was not the best player on that team. Like, they seem to have skipped that step. And that's the thing we've been talking about all offseason. Um, anyone want to do anything else? I figure Steph's not here. We're going to do another show. We can do the predictions next week. We're already yeah, at over it. an hour. Let's all do right. it. All right. So that is all the time we have for you on BSH Radio this week. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for hanging out. If you haven't already, you got to hit that subscribe button. Search Broad Street Hockey wherever there are podcasts. And boom, content, baby. It's coming back. I'm dreading it, but uh, you're listening to this maybe on Thursday. It's a week away. The fucking post games are coming back. Everything, it's it's here. Summer's over. We uh, the we've woken up the Green Day guy. Uh, here we go. <laughs> so, all right, yeah, that's it. Uh, my name's Bill Matz for Steph, for Kelly, for Charlie. Have a great week, everybody. Steph's not here, but still have a great week, everybody. Are you ready to talk about sports? Yeah. Who's gonna score? It's 2023 and you're still looking for a baseball podcast? What's up, party people? Danny Vietti here from the Wake and Rake podcast. Yes, I know the name of our show, Freaking Rocks. Join World Series champion Will Middlebrooks and I as we banter about the best of the best from Major League Baseball, including power rankings. One of the best players of all time. Headlines. Solidifies a dynasty. And special guests. Reese Hoskins. Stro Show. Jose Trevino. Listen and or watch every episode of the Wake and Rake podcast, available on all your favorite listening platforms and the all-new Believe Sports channel.